Welcome to the Obsession Digression, a podcast that explores all of the cultural things we're obsessed with. I'm Sam Benarchik, and I'm Katie Walker. Sorry, I didn't mean that so aggressively. I'm Sam Benarchik. How are you? <laughs> well, now I'm a little cowed by, by that, that opening salvo. Yeah, uh, I am. I'm good. I'm. I'm great, actually. It's uh. It's already freaking cold here. We're getting snow mm-hmm. this week. Dude, it's cold here. You really? Snow? We're getting snow on Tuesday. So, oh. uh, but it's happening. Are you tracking the order? I'm I'm, like an I'm Amazon getting shipping ready. label. You're yes. like, keep checking. It's due to arrive Tuesday morning. It's due to arrive. Well, I'm, I'm like kind of excited about it. I was excited about the leaf uh, thing that's here, right? The whole leaf uh, obsession that they have, which, by the way, Learned a new Yo. phrase the other day. It's a called, leaf obsession. Yeah, yeah. So there are people who travel to this area just to, like, look at the yeah. leaves, right? Uh, and they're yeah. called... Welcome to New England, friend. Yeah. <laughs> there are, like, leaf tiny leaf train peepers. tours. Yes. Leaf peepers? <laughs> That's what they're called. They're called leaf the peepers. Thing. That's the Dude, dumbest name. my sister name. wanted to take a two-day cruise just up the coast of New England where you face the coast so you can stand <laughs> with binoculars and look at all the foliage. Where, like, uh, people, and I, like, I'll be the first to admit, I miss changing leaves. They're truly beautiful. <laughs> like It's a stunning but, feature of, of that area of the U.S., but um, I don't think I could do a cruise. Right, or like, like travel for the specific purpose of seeing the change. <laughs> Like, just, like, two whole days of your life just, like, looking at leaves. I'm like, I don't know. It's it's cool occasionally, but at this point, it's like, yeah, I mean, cool, but I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. So, yeah. And there's this whole, like, uh, at Mount Holyoke, there are just, like, crews of guys all day, every day, just, like, with all of this different mm-hmm. equipment sucking up leaves and I'm like dudes like give it up like who cares but they've got like I mean it's constant they're just like rolling around with these like tractors that look weird sucking up leaves and the guys with leaf blowers like it's just like a whole industry around the subsequent removal of said beautiful leaves that leaf peepers are looking at so it's just (laughs) I don't know I don't get it so funny I know (laughs) it makes them sound like like a like criminal or something like they're doing <laughs> something like illicit or like a I don't know. I keep thinking of Mr. Peepers from another period. <laughs> Butler, yeah. Or like so. no, no, or like Peeping Tom. Yes, god, exactly. I haven't thought about Mr. Peepers or oh my god, that show is so funny. I, I know. Never finished it. I should go back and finish it. Oh, it gets it gets worse with like women's voting rights and oh yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so anyways, that's that's happening. It's freaking cold here already, and I'm just adjusting. I got my happy lamp, so I got that going. Yes. Yeah. That's crucial. Yeah, so I'm, I'm all, like, prepared supply-wise for the winter. It's just emotionally-wise is what I'm, I'm gearing up for. Okay. Also, my freaking so body. emotional preparation. Yeah, my freaking body's like bulking up too. It's like it knows. It's like, oh, gotta put yeah. some some more layers on these hips, girl. And I'm like, no, no, no. I know. It's like, why am I, I hungry all the time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, stop it. Like today, I was like, okay, 
I am really hungry. I'm, I'm going to get just a calzone. And I ordered oh. it from like this new place. And I was like, all right, calzone. It's like, you know, an excessive sandwich. It's not good for you, but it's, you know, it's an excessive sure sandwich. <laughs> it's so good though. It's delicious. But then I ordered it and it was only like six bucks. And it's literally delivered in a full size pizza box. That's how big it is. Yeah. It's literally <laughs> like <laughs> like a six dollar just a mass of meat and ricotta and like it's just like it's so obsessed mm. excess excessive. Not obsessive, but I am obsessive about it. So anyways, yeah. Bulk it up. Like, there's Get a ready. place um there's a place down the street from me called Serrano's. Mm-hmm. And it's like ostensibly like New York pizza by the slice, except they cook like from the from dough, like your slice of pizza. It's not cut from a pretty Ooh. cooked pizza. Okay. And their slices of pizza are maybe the size of like a third of a full size pizza. <laughs> like it's they're enormous slices and they're six bucks and yes. this is San Francisco where like everywhere you go, like basic sandwiches are like fifteen dollars, so it's kind right. of a wild thing. Yeah. So, like, do you indulge occasionally in this giant ass pizza? Uh, pff, friend, I indulged last night. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> but also, I remember reading something about how much energy it takes for your body to shiver. Because when you think about it, like, shivering is just your body trying to heat itself up. And so you burn, like, apparently, if you're outside a long time, like, a ton of calories. And so that's part of the really? reason why your body is constantly, like, looking for energy sources in the winter. So a good weight loss strategy would be for me to just like yeah, get just, naked. You need to just like Jack Nicholson shining <laughs> yourself. <laughs> I love that that's like a like a phrase that you just came up with shining yourself. I'm I'm really all about yeah. it. Like that's that's yeah, actually just really Yeah, just go sit out in the cold. You know yes. what it is? Because I just I was so I was in Paris last week and Yes. Brought, and I like, want to hear about uh, this. Pl- Oh yeah, I brought yeah. like a, one plain novel and then like one good novel, and guess which one I read. <laughs> but <laughs> I read the plain novel was Doctor Sleep, which is like Stephen King's sequel to The Shining, and so it's been on my mind. Yeah, right on. So what and was it the was like? Just okay, I don't think it was very good. Oh, I'm sorry to say. That's sad. Maybe the movie. But will I heard make up that I heard the movie splits the difference between Kubrick's The Shining and. Stephen King's Shining and the sequel because like Stephen King spoiler alert for anyone who didn't get around to seeing the movie or reading the book but in the novel The Shining the gardener I forget his name he lives he doesn't get an axe to the chest like he does in the movie but the Overlook Hotel blows up and so it's like demolished so they're like so Doctor Sleep opens up with like Scatman Crothers character I can't remember what his name is um talking to Danny after like the wreckage of the Overlook Hotel and all the trauma and blah 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 um, but the movie is trying to also be a sequel to both the movie and the book and so it like splits the difference and changes some things around so I'm hoping it makes it better interesting okay alright mm-hmm. it's definitely worth seeing just even as like uh, like viewing that experimental attempt right like to, to explore okay could this actually work to like you say split the difference here between yeah, and it's Mike Flanagan, who's a really interesting director to me because he he's all, like solely a horror film director. Like he did the Haunting of Hill House Netflix series, and he did um, a bunch of like those early films for like Bloomhouse, 
Blumhouse, if you're not familiar, is like this um, production company that just does sort of like low-budget horror movies, but they've really made a name in them for themselves as doing like really quality ones and also finding and sourcing some really good stuff. So like they, I, oh. is this true? They initially sort of helped to fund or produce or distribute um, Get Out. Um, oh, and so that's I helped awesome. Them just, yeah, build up a little bit more name recognition. And I want to say, I might be making this up. I apologize. They definitely did some stuff with James Wan. So either like Insidious or the Conjuring movies, they had a hand in okay. it. So, yeah. Okay, cool. But, All right. So uh, you were in Paris, though. What did you do? Mm, and why were you in so Paris? so good. I didn't want to come back. <laughs> I was in Paris for like no reason other than the fact that me and my friend Chris found really cheap plane tickets. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what I think is a brand new airline because... I've never heard of it, and no one I've spoken to has ever heard of it, called the French Bee. Um, oh, French <laughs> And so I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Is it just like the flight like, attendants are like really like snarky and they're the French Bees? Get it? No? Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's No. They, <laughs> but here's the thing is like their colors were blue and white, and I was like, really? No yellow? For bees? Um, even okay. like the bee logo was blue, which was confusing, but that's fine. <laughs> Um, and so my thinking is like, it was a perfectly decent airline, like it was a comfortable flight, it was a big spacious plane, and so I think they were just like initially offering lower prices to drive adoption, Yeah. you know, because that's what it takes to get someone to try a new airline. So right. it was just sort of like good timing and we lucked out in that way. Nice. Nice. So what did you, so, like yeah. how long were you there and what <clears> did you do? I was there for a week. Wow. Um, or just under. And, what? I, that was me getting excited, sorry. Oh. <laughs> like, did you injure yourself? No, that was, that's my excitement noise. It's also my sex noise. Yeah. You know my sex noise. It was featured in Tron. Um, <laughs> um, no, but it was great. It was such a good time. I went with um, a friend of mine, and so it was just a fun chance to, like, pal around a bit. I've been a couple times, so I went for my first job out of college. I went twice. So I went for two weeks in 2010 and then, uh, like, a week and a half in 2012. And so I also didn't have any pressure in my mind to do anything remotely touristy, you know? And nice. so I have a couple acquaintances in Paris at this point, and so so did my friend Chris. And so it was a lot more just, like, kind of, like, socializing and hanging out in, like, fun neighborhoods and they have such a i mean there's such like a cafe and bar culture there and they are so like heat lamp friendly that like the inside always spills into the outside even though it's chilly out right and so and it's super comfortable and you can just sort of hang out and of course everyone smokes but also drinks and people watches and it was almost like getting to pretend you live there for a week (laughs) this time around as opposed to like going and touring and seeing everything yeah Um, and it was so fun here's the other thing though (laughs) as i get older and as i have i guess more friends like i guess maybe this is like a metropolitan thing or like an affluence thing i don't know but everyone now talks and advises me to like buy things depending on where i'm going so like (laughs) oh you're in europe like stock up get some leather goods if you were looking for like get it there because you'll get a tax rebate and here's how this thing works and I was like, oh, okay, I hear I hear leather jacket, I hear savings, great. I'm such a fucking idiot. Like, it's still like, yeah, you get like some sort of like tax rebate or something. Yeah. But it's still like hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars. Right. I was like, right. oh, right. Like, this isn't this, just like a hundred dollar tax like rebate is like fine, but. <laughs> so 
Like, did you look at leather jackets while you were there? Like, is that a thing well, that you the thing. were intrigued well, by? I've been on the market for a new leather jacket. So oh. I was like, you know, when in Paris. But no, I didn't right. purchase anything. But okay. it is fun because it is like, you know, where you walk into a store and it's like a flagship for, or maybe not a flagship, but like a major location for like a major fancy brand. And you're just like holding items that are like priced at like $1,500. And yeah. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, um, like more than anything, I just like ate the shit out of Paris. Like I yes. ate pastries. That's mainly it. I ate a lot of pastries. <laughs> I ate a lot of bread. I had Good. snails. It was great. I had, had beef tartar. Yeah, I love snails, man. Yeah? Had you ever had them before? Mm-hmm. I have never had snails, I have to say. I've that only is a had gap. them in Paris. Like, So I've had them three times. And it was the three times I was in Paris. Okay. So never outside of Paris have you had snails. Oh, no. Actually, once I had them outside of Paris at a fancy restaurant. And they were delicious, too. Okay. Um, I recommend it. Like, honestly, it was like, they're really delicious. I, I like, am not averse to it. I just, I don't think I've ever, I've either been in a fancy restaurant, but like, okay. So usually when I'm in a fancy restaurant, somebody else is buying, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. on somebody else's As it dime. should be. <laughs> yes. Um, when, I, when I walk the streets and you know, um, so I don't know. When I don't I walk know. walk the I'm, streets. Just. I don't is this know some like pretty woman cosplay? I don't know. Yeah, it is, and it's always just Ryan picking me up. Um, <laughs> and then you're critiquing his driving abilities. Yes, um, <laughs> but in any case, uh, but it's if I'm at a fancy restaurant, I'm like, and I'm somebody else is paying, I'm like, well, I'm I'm not gonna get you know snails. I'm gonna get like the steak, right? Like I'm gonna go all in. But I should I should break that mold. I should I should whoa, actually whoa, whoa. like snails are not an entree though. They're always an appetizer. I know, but it's like it's it's always it's a it's always pricey, but also it feels like you're kind of like mm, giving up the opportunity to also order steak if you get snails. Mm. You know Does what it, I'm hearing because sense? I can relate to this. I have a lot of like guilt. It's yes. Guilt, yeah, I have exactly. All kinds of like food-based guilt or price-based guilt, being like, well, I can't reasonably ask this for someone to spend this much money on me. Right. Um, so if I'm out to dinner with someone and they're treating like I will pay a close attention to prices, like too much. I'm not advising anyone does this. This is my own hang-up. No, um, I do this and too. I, I will do the same thing. What I'm hearing though is you need to get like you need to be sent on a trip for work and have a per mm-hmm. diem and then you can do it and no one's watching. And then yeah. I feel like you'll have the confidence to, to just go for it. Oh, you're so right. Mm, okay. All right. All right. Next time. Next time I'll do this. That's, that's, that's on the list of things to do next mm-hmm. time. <laughs> Traveling it's for work list. for some reason. <laughs> some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Conference. So, yeah, exactly. I was just at a conference. So, and I did have a, there, uh, some some university monies. So that's, and why didn't you get snails? I well, okay, because I was in Stanton, Virginia. I don't think. <laughs> it's a lovely also, like, do you remember our per diem when we were grad students? We'd be like, for lunch you have ten dollars, for dinner yes. you have thirteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, thanks. That's a banana at Starbucks, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. so sad. Um, 
here's my leather belt question that I'm weighing right now. I need to ask everyone because I don't know what to do. Leather do belt? Get, no, sorry, Wait. leather jacket question. Okay, okay. Do you get a leather jacket with a belt on the bottom or no? No, that's too... That strikes me as too, like, early 90s look. Oh. Right? Well, because everywhere I'm looking at places, they all have belts on them. And I'm like, well, I guess, like, maybe that's it. And I kind of oh. like the look, except that I imagine it gets annoying because I'm never going to do the belt up. It's just going to hang there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what okay. I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I'd say if you can forego the belt. Like, my inclination is to say forego it. But I don't know. I'm not, like, well-versed in leather jacket lore. <laughs> Uh, so, I don't know. No, you didn't keep up with the leather jacket comic books? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> what I would love, dream world, dream case scenario would be just, like, removable belt. It's mm-hmm. like, why don't I just try it out and see which one yeah. I prefer? But that doesn't seem yeah. to be an issue, or a possibility. Right, then you have options. That's what you need. Yeah. And this is, like, a real investment. Like, I'm, like, I'm feeling a lot of pressure to get this right. I know. So, and it's going to be a black, black leather? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I was like, don't like, don't spend like $1,500 on a brown leather coat. Cause that's just, I yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just stupid. Or just like uh, some like, Oh, just really like, uh, just like baby blue or just like a white leather jacket. <laughs> I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> right? I can't tell you how many times I've kind of done that, uh, to a lesser degree with blazers where I'm like, Oh, this like, <laughs> This like funky blaze, like this funky polka dot blazer is super cute. I'm gonna drop like 150 on it, whatever, right? Okay. Uh, and then I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? There's like this matches nothing. Like this doesn't. Like I just need to buy. <laughs> yeah, that a is a crucial question to ask. <laughs> like, get. Uh, did you ever? Were you ever able to match it? No, I have. I have four in my closet right now that you I have, have never worn. Four different worn. polka dot blazers. Well, they're not all polka dot. One is like paisley, one is polka dot, one has the leather elbow patches on it, but it's also tan. I, I don't know. Dude, I am the worst when it comes to I like, bet you can. Okay, I feel very confident that you could match those. I know, I know. I, it's I don't just think like, those are bad investments. I'm not convinced yeah. yet. Those are mistakes. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll try. I'll try. I bought yesterday, I went shopping, and I got... Um, like this this really cute like kind of girly dress that has like bicycles all over it like it's a print pattern that has bicycles and I bought it and okay. I was like look at my cute dress and then Ryan was like but like you don't ride bikes and I was like so he's like people are gonna like <laughs> no that's not the you. point <laughs> but there's so many uh, patterns that have just like flamingos or giraffes and you couldn't yeah. use it like but you don't own a giraffe so how could you wear that <laughs> His logic was was a little skewed there. Uh, Yeah, like this was like an about me pattern. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, okay, so you were in Paris for a week having a lovely food time. Paris was such a good time. I'm so jealous. I would go back for a fourth time. (laughs) Even though I've been to like pretty much nowhere else. (laughs) I would still go back. I've got to, I guess, like Mexico City, but I don't think I've been anywhere else outside of the U.S. And we're not counting Canada, obviously. Oh yeah, obviously can't count Canada for for anything. No. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> am okay, I right? I, am I right? Little little 
jab at the Canadians there. I don't I don't know why I have no animosity towards the Canadians whatsoever, but but there you go. There it is. Lay down yeah. the gauntlet. Take it up if you will, but you won't cuz you're Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, I don't know where what's happening to me or where I went with that one, but let's just move on and pretend like that never happened. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we'll move okay. on from Canada to say, and from Paris. So flew back. Also, dude, <laughs> the only point of suspense in the entire trip is that this stupid airline, they board like over an hour before takeoff. Oh, which is no. crazy to me. Yeah. And they have this hard and fast rule saying that if you are not here a half hour after boarding starts you're not allowed on what so it's like well i have to get to the gate itself like yeah they came out to like 45 minutes early and so you're like okay even if you get to the airport two hours early then you need to be like two hours and 45 minutes early and obviously we had not budgeted that in and so then this like line was very long and then we get to the front of the line to sort of like get our tickets and everything and then they're like well you each have two bags everyone's only allowed one carry-on and i said well no one's my backpack it's just going under the seat mm-hmm. and he, he was and then my friend chris kind of truly had two duffels with him so he's in a different situation but he was saying the same thing and he's like no uh-huh. everyone everyone on this plane is only allowed one and i was like we flew on this plane we with the same <laughs> you know bags and he's like you're right. just gonna have to check and i was like i don't want to check if we don't have to and he goes it's 75 euros <laughs> And I was like, what? what? I'm paying like $125 to check a bag. Shit. That's insane. And so I yeah. looked at him and said, sir, I'm not doing that. And so he was like, okay. And then we go to the next place, which is like another security checkpoint. And then they tell us the same thing. They're like, you have to go and get back in that long line. And this time you have to check. And I was like, we are going to like miss our flight if we do that. And it's stupid. <laughs> Yeah. And I said to him, I said, like, one is going under my seat. And he goes, no way. There's no way it's going to fit under your seat. And I was like, it did last time. And so he's showing me, he goes, listen, I'm going to show you. And we walk over to his scale. And he goes, everyone is only allotted, it was like 17 pounds or something to carry on uh-huh. with them. And then he's like, if we combine your two bags. And then it came to like 16.5. And he was like, yes. Oh, oh okay. And he goes, wait, is there a laptop in there? And I said, yeah. And he goes, go, it's my backpack. I put my laptop in. And he goes, oh, laptop bags are fine. <laughs> you can go ahead. What? Okay. Like, this is a very strange logic you're using. And then Chris, but they how did you feel at that over. moment of, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, how did oh, you no, feel you, at that moment of triumph? Like, just like, did, like, were you just like, eh? No, I immediately didn't feel guilty because I was like, oh, what? I'm a representative of like the U.S. And I was just like, <laughs> of course, like loud and complained and wanted an exception and then, but so you were then proven I did correct. my best to apologize in French and explain the rules are different in the US and we're learning and thank you for your patience. Oh, okay. I'm disappointed. You're like disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you were correct and you proved it like hi- in a highly experiential way and yet you still were like uh, I know. Pudum. It's so bad. It's Mais like pudum. it's just how my brain and my heart work. Oh, I get it. Um, no, I'm, I'm teasing. I would totally apologize in that moment and probably cry too. I know. Uh, I know. So. Even after being right, I'd be like, I know, I see, I'm the issue here, I'm the problem, I'm so sorry. Exactly. Um, but then Chris, Anyways, like, so. he was over by like five pounds, and so he goes, well, I mean, you gotta get some stuff out of that bag or you have to check it. And of course he has like a heavy jacket in there, and so I'm like, Chris, put on your jacket, just wear it. <laughs> and he's like, there's no way they're gonna allow that. And I was like, yeah. And then they go, oh, you're wearing that jacket? That's fine. You can go ahead. 
Yes. <laughs> and I was like, what if like, and then I, I did, of course did not like stay and ask them. But then my first thought was like, well, what if like it wasn't a jacket, but it was like six sweaters and he just put on six sweaters in your presence. That's Would fine. you have to be like, you're fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's allowed. That's, I mean, okay. that's the logic. I, okay. So I, I think I have, as I am, am getting older and I, I often talk about this, I think my, one of my favorite things in the world, just hands down is the like clever use of logic like the clever like okay you say this is the rule all right i'm going to so my like most recent favorite one for example is um and it got denied so it's a sad story but this um (laughs) this murderer who's in prison he died briefly and he then yeah he like briefly died but then came back to life and so then he was arguing that he had served his life sentence (laughs) (laughs) and i was like okay like i don't want this murderer to get out but like kudos for that logic right like that is the kind of like no i get that yeah so anyway so i applaud you for your like like careful like well he's gonna put on the jacket right or like let's you know like this is a laptop bag like all of that that's that's brilliant i love it so keep doing it yeah i was like okay we're we're gonna do it then (laughs) okay we're good all right cool we're good yeah and sure enough that backpack fit very comfortably under my seat (laughs) dude and then i was sat next to this couple they're like a young couple maybe a few years younger than me who Mm -hmm. at one point the flight started full on making out (laughs) No! And I was like, what? Gross! I know. And then I was like, uh, I'm going to count to fucking five. And if this is still going on, like, I'm going to say something. Yes! And then they stopped. Yeah! Did you? Because I was Did like, this to- is like, I, I, I feel too young to be in the role of, like, being an elder educator about what is and is not appropriate, but... No, that's just, like, to. so uncomfortable. That's just... I know. Ugh. I hate PDA so much. I I really do. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. It's just the worst. Like, there are spaces for that. There's a there's an airplane bathroom for that. Like, go go in there. You're right. Go mile high it. Like, yeah. See on the other side. Yeah. That might be mm. a crime, actually. I don't know if you can be arrested for that now. I think you can. They've gotten very territorial, territorial yeah. about their bathrooms. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I really don't want to, like, then go like oh yeah yeah no no criticism there space that's just been defiled (laughs) (laughs) uh okay so you're back from paris and Mm -hmm. you just uh conveniently to the new job yeah uh which is super exciting so like no commute anymore or like not a crazy commute right oh my god katie it's amazing so yeah picture it my old job, first in Mountain View, then in Redwood City. Either in, when I was commuting to Mountain View, I'd have to wake up at five fifteen so that I could Ugh. get you know, walk to the other side of the park and get the six oh five bus. And the reason I get the earliest bus out of the city is because if you go any later, you're sitting in just gridlock traffic on the one oh one. Right. And so when you wake up, you go. Not only do I have to get up super early, but like there's no sleeping in, there's no snoozing. Like if you miss this yeah. bus, you missed it. You know. Yeah. Um, and then if I want to leave, say, at 5 um, one day and take that 5 o'clock bus home, it's like an hour and a half, best case scenario, Ugh. to get back to the city. Yeah. Um, so if I need to be back before 6.30, I have to leave work at 4, which is really weird. Um, yeah. 
Now, I wake up uh, at 6.30, and if I feel like sleeping in for another 15 minutes, I can do that. And then I just take the 33, which is a bus, like, a couple blocks from my house. Uh, it runs every, like, 10 or 15 minutes. It drops me off, essentially, at my gym. And I work out, shower there, and it's a 10-minute walk from there to the what? office. What? That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Ah! Oh, that's so cool. Um, honestly, it's just, like, great so far. It's definitely, like, early days, and in some ways I've, like, barely started doing the actual job. It's so much just, like, training and shadowing and all of that right now, but um, it's great. Like, the feel and the vibe of the office is really good, and everyone's, like, really sharp and on top of it and pushing yes. themselves, and it's very inspirational to be around. There's, like, just by virtue of the fact that it's, like, a much smaller company, there's just no bloat, and there's no one sort of just, like being ineffective and just failing up and so that's exciting to see yeah cool i'm so happy for you i like when you told me i'm gonna cut this out of the podcast let's get back to our podcast though (laughs) yeah okay Okay. so last time all right we're going back to you saying you celebrated me getting a job yes yeah so i did I, i i absolutely did like my um best dance moves which you can't see and you'll never have evidence of, but they do exist. You'll never uh, see. I saw your dance moves when you, <laughs> when you got out of um, your uh, exams. Oh, do you remember oh, that? Like yes. you, Jacob, and Adam took exams and then you started dancing to Pharrell after. Yeah. That's the only oh, time I've seen right. you dance. Oh, that was so cute. That was such a cute, like, happy cohort <laughs> moment. Uh, because, the okay, to be clear, the Pharrell song had just come out. And so it was yeah. like... It was still okay to listen to. It was to. fresh, and, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and then I had a party at my house later that week uh, to, like, further celebrate. And Ryan got so pissed because at one point I played that song again. And I said, everyone jump on the furniture. And so we <laughs> <Yes>. did. <laughs> and we actually, like, broke one of our couches that way. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ryan's like, damn it! Like, I I love your free spirit, but also, damn it! <laughs> Did he really start with "I love your free spirit"? But no, no, that that goes unsaid. That that's implied. yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's, that's you're like no, but that's what I heard. That, that, that's <laughs> <laughs> I love your free spirit, but. He, like, oh, he's such an old man. Like, every day I have, like, a new old man story. But, like, today, like, we were getting food. It was from this restaurant that's both Italian and Greece. And so I was like, ooh, Sundays they have, like, Greece special. Like, that's what it was called. It wasn't called Greek special. It was called Greece special. And he was like, mm, I don't feel like fried food. And I was like, no, a Greece special. And he's like, yeah, it just sounds really messy. And I was like, no, a Greece special. And he's like, I know. He's like, it's just too greasy. And I was like, damn it, Ryan. That's not even, <laughs> it's not even clever. But there we go. That's uh, <laughs> the sad um level of of humor in our house right now um anyways what was i gonna say oh so by the way i was gone to uh to a conference in virginia and that was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun because it uh so it's called you didn't have snails i did not have snails uh i had some great uh like pastrami's and, and stuff like that though um some good some good thai food actually um 
So I was in Virginia at the Blackfriars Conference, and uh, it was cool because they, so it's it's a recreated indoor, like early modern theater, right? So their, their slogan, it's kind of cute. They say, we do it with the lights on. Uh, so like you as audience members are fully lit as the stages as well, because it like, it's, it's mimicking early modern staging practices. Yeah. Um, so this conference is long, it's five days, so it's a lot. And they have an acting company there, obviously, that's, that's what they mainly do. So each night there was a play which was exciting uh, and, you know, like great fun. Like I got to see Anthony and Cleopatra, um, Caesar, Caesar and Cleopatra um, and uh, Julius Caesar. So like they were, do- obviously there was a theme to this, this conference. Oh, um, can I ask a very vulnerable question? Yeah. Is there a Shakespeare play called Caesar and Cleopatra? Oh, sorry. That's a, that's a George Bernard Shaw. Um, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. He, but they threw that one in there. So it's okay, like, it's it. very, very Shakespearean in tone and content. Um, mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, <laughs> but they, so because I was uh, one of the keynotes at the conference, they bought my tickets for these shows and they gave me what was called a Lord's Chair. Uh, which is like a very special chair with cushions on the side of the stage. Uh, so that like, I was like in a prominent, very nice, like very, you know, like normally a very expensive seat. Uh, but obviously I wasn't paying for it. So I was all about it, except that Mm -hmm. because the lights are on and because, you know, it's like a smallish theater, like it was as if I was on display as one of the lords. Like it was clearly like, <laughs> like I was yeah. sitting with a bunch of like rich people. Like it, you know what I mean? Like like clearly people who like come to theater to like watch theater. You know, like it was just like that kind of. Um, but uh, there was this moment where. <laughs> This is unrelated to being in the Lord's chair, but it was so, so sad. Uh, So I was starving during one of the shows and they did have snacks that you could buy and take to your seat uh, for the second act. So during intermission, I uh, bought some like little cheese cracker things that were in a little baggie. And I was like, and and a beard. So I was like so excited to get to my seat. Um, And then as I'm heading back to my seat, I drop them, the the crackers. And this older gentleman is like walking out. And I see it like in slow motion. Like his foot just like slowly lands right on top of my crackers. (laughs) And I was like... (laughs) No! What? Like, it was so devastating to me because I was like, okay, like, they're still in the bag. Can I eat them? They're, they're, no, they're, they're like smashed yeah. to smithereens, but I basically like have to be kind of like snorting these up. Like, like they, they were smashed so tiny that I would have to like scoop them out with my fingers, right? Like, it would, there yeah. would not be a graceful way to eat them. And I'm in the Lord's chair. Do I put myself on display to this entire theater, <laughs> sucking up cheesy crackers? Do I crackers? become performance art? Yes. And what do you think the answer is? Oh, I think it's the latter. <laughs> yeah, I totally did it. Totally did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that was my my last week. It was just it was a long, very busy week. It was stressful too because. Uh, Ryan was in Santa Rosa and the fires were quite close. 
uh, to the yeah. point where like his hotel didn't have power and that's uh, wild. Yeah, so he he got he left during the like like because they have I guess multiple stages of evacuation. There's first voluntary evacuation and then mandatory. So he left during voluntary evacuation. So he got out thankfully, but like it was just you know scary and and unpleasant to think about like. Yeah, my absolutely. Partner across the country, and you know, like having his life at risk. So, yeah. Well, I hope you know, and we did talk about this, so I know you know. But like, <laughs> he is always welcome to like come down to San Francisco, far, and stay with me. Thank you. What about me? We did not lose power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome anytime you've lost power in Massachusetts to, to okay. fly to San Francisco and stay with me. Thank God. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, anytime. We're going to make I, acorn bread. You, you say I that. I haven't forgotten. You say that and then like one day I'm just, I'm just going to fucking do it and you're going to be like, oh, joking was a bad idea. This was, this is oh really God, Katie. No, incorrect. And then what I'll hear I've, is. I thought we were talking about acorn bread this whole time, but you're talking about flying yeah. to San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, we're definitely making acorn no, bread. Dude, that's that's going to happen. Anytime you want. There's like, it would not be a, I can't think of any <laughs> scenario where I'd be disappointed for you to be here. Also, speaking of acorn of bread. Not, yeah. This is not exactly the same, but like where I'm working now, they still, thank God, do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, like Google did. I truly don't think I could work somewhere that didn't feed me now. <laughs> just oh, really that's bad, amazing. But, yeah, but they of, always yeah. have like dedicated vegetarian and vegan options, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like just dip a toe into this queue and see what it's all about. And I had it was like, oh fuck, what was it? It was. Um, mushroom and something loaf okay and i was like oh let me give it a shot it is was not good <laughs> <laughs> and i was like if like acorn uh, loaf is landing anywhere in this vicinity i don't know i'm down for it oh uh, yeah that uh just it was just called mushroom loaf like just it was like mushroom and something i can't remember what the other key ingredient was it was something okay vegetarian slash vegan yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, I mean, acorn bread's about survival, though. So, like, we, we'll You're make right. it just We're to know different that we mindset. can. Different mindset. Yeah, yeah. We'll like it because we made it with our bare hands. That's, That's right. how I feel about it. Yeah. Just real pride. Real pride in what we've accomplished. <laughs> okay, so our lives have been crazy is the, the sum of this this Dude, whole thing. busy. And I mean, I keep saying our, my life has been crazy, but... And it has been. What I've realized I've been doing, though, is, like, I've been consolidating my work week. So I work, obviously, Monday through Friday. And then I go out Monday through Friday. And I've been mm-hmm. doing it just so that I can be, like, reclusive on the weekends. I don't know what oh, that's about. But it no, just has happened nice. without me even being cognizant of it. And so, like, Friday night, I canceled my plans. And I just, like, laid low. And, like, Saturday, I went out all during the day. And then at nighttime, I laid low. And it's been lovely. Yeah, you got to do it, man. You have to have time to yourself and like you have to have time to like just like watch TV or clean or mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh yeah, no, good for you. Clean. That hasn't happened yet. Well, it's coming. Yeah, that'll happen. Um <laughs> it'll, it'll happen. I mean, 
mean, just get yourself a Ryan and. (laughs) (laughs) And he'll be like, Sam, I love your creative energy. I love your spirit, but. But. You need to clean. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he says to me all the time. Uh, So, speaking of spirit and being spirited, maybe this is like a good time to switch to um, Year of the Wit. Nope. Nope, season, not year. Season, season. of the witch. Season of the okay. witch. And we I have was to thinking clarify. Wild as the witch, and that's like not it. Wild as the witch. I don't know. Um, so we have to clarify because there are two movies by this name. One of them, <laughs> yes. much later, Features. starring Nicolas Cage, Ron yes. Perlman, uh, Claire Foy, um, all of those folks, and. What, like, believe it or not, out of pure curiosity, I also watched, and it is Oh, my God. They did that on How Did This Get Made. It was, like, one of the first movies they did, yeah. And they still talk about how bad it was. Oh, it is so bad. But, like, kind of delightfully so. Like, I was was there for it. Like, I think, I mean, A, I'm obsessed with Nicolas Cage just as a human Mm -hmm. being, as Mm -hmm. a concept as an, a force of energy in the cosmos. And so, but like, so anytime I see a new movie or a movie that I haven't seen with him and I'm just like, I'm there for it. I'm, I'm there for the cage, right? Like, so I think that like alters my, my viewing experience to be much more just like open to the like ride itself. Right. Like, and yeah, so this one was a raucous ride and uh yeah season of the witch is I about love when you use raucous i don't oh. know anyone else who uses that word oh really <laughs> that just makes me smile yeah <laughs> so the nicholas cage season of the witch is about the plague and they've got to kill this witch to uh get rid of the plague and there's all sorts of like weird guilt things because they're like knights and uh yeah um Wait, is it positing, like, a world in which witches are responsible for the plague? Or is this, like, a hysterical response from non-witches? Well, there's a twist. Oh. Do you want me to give away the twist? Yeah, sure. Okay, so they they think the whole time it's a witch, and then it turns out that um, that's, like, caused the plague, and she does seem to have some supernatural powers, but it's unclear to what extent. And okay. then they arrive at this monastery. It turns out... She's not a witch, but she's demonically possessed. And oh. the whole reason the demon wanted them to take take the demon body to this monastery so that the demon could destroy manuscript copies of the Key of Solomon, which is like a kind of famous mystical alchemical text. So, um, yeah, but they defeat the demon through self-sacrifice. And then the plague goes away. As one does. <laughs> Yeah, so that's season of the witch Nicholas Cage version, but we of course. So thanks for joining us, everyone. That's about it. (laughs) We're talking about a different season of the witch. Uh, I wonder why they called it season of the witch then. I don't know. One thing, if like there were multiple movies, or if there was like some other text named that, but to use that name when there's just this movie, right? And then like. The movie title for Cage didn't really make sense. And, like, there wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, oh, it's winter, now is the season of our witchy discontent. Like, it's it wasn't anything to do with that <laughs> at all. Uh, but, to be honest, the movie that we're talking about uh, also has alternate titles. So, it could be that they were just, like, oh, this is, you know, because one of the titles Dude, is Jack's Wife. Dude, those alternate titles are crazy. Yeah. So it's, I was okay, fascinated it's, by that. 
Jack's wife, and then what's the other one? Angry Wives or? Hungry Wives. Hungry Wives, yeah. So this yeah. movie was originally released as Hungry Wives, and it did terribly, and so then they... It was, okay, production title was Jack's Wife. Then it was released as Hungry Wives. And then it was not well received. And so they re-released it again, like what, like a year later or something? I don't remember Mm. now, as Season of the Witch. Okay. And that, did that bolster its its reputation or was it still like, uh... Um, Tough to say. I did a little bit of reading around and there was never a, a time in which this was like a real big blockbuster, even on on like home video um okay but it it is still it got a lot of press though because like it got like reviews from like the new york times and like av club has since like done a write-up of it right and so it definitely has gotten attention um even though it never really seemed to like capture the public okay all right well and i can see why (laughs) I know, I kept being like, wait, but when does the witchcraft start? <laughs> you know? Yes! But yes! I have to say, though, uh, getting to the end of the film and sort of digest- digesting it a little bit, I do think it really does fit in with this season. I do, too. And I, so, I have thoughts about this, um, but, like, okay, so, sorry, I'm trying to, like, collect these said thoughts that I'm, yes. I'm claiming that I possess. Uh it does very much fit into... <laughs> you allegedly possess. I know, just to, just to like, you know, have some disclaimers out there. So you're right, because, I mean, obviously, I think what we've seen so far is that these all of these movies about the witch are really just interrogating uh, either a woman's body or her subject position, right? Like, those are the two... Or her just, like, fitness for domesticity. I'm sorry, say that again? Or just, like, her fitness for domesticity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so they're all, like, I think they're all in interesting ways really posing this kind of, you know, binary between, like, the external, dark, occult, kind of infinite, vast forces versus the very um, intimate, like, minute kind of female circle of, of influence. Does that make sense? Like that there's, yeah. there's always this like tug for, I mean, you know, we, I almost want to call it, uh, okay. I'm scared to call it primal, but I mean primal and like, like almost the Freudian sense of like, of innate, like kind of like <sighs> feminist power type of meaning, right? Like that the, these movies are positing, a um yeah a force an influence something that is inherently tied to but and yet beyond the female body does that make is that wild or too funny no because i think like i remember us talking about basic instincts like yeah. A long time ago when you, because you had, you hadn't you like just watched it recently or something and then we were yeah. talking about it. Yeah. And I think what that movie, um, you know, I, I, we kind of both were talking about this then, but like what the movie does is it really just like plays on a lot of fears about like um, female sexuality becoming, going from being like powerful in a really sexy way or titillating way for audiences to being like overwhelmingly powerful in a way that then right. becomes sort of emasculating and scary and I think in some ways like that's a lot of what's going on here just in like less sexual and kind of explicit sort of discursive ways yeah yeah so 
But at the same time, so, like, I'll, I'll just say this, too. I, I enjoyed this movie, and yet, at this point in our season, I'm also kind of tired of the trope of, um, how to say this? The trope of the only way to articulate feminine power, especially occult power, is through the vehicle of sexual excess, right? That the only way that this mm. can be unleashed or actuated or whatever is through the vehicle of, you know, a lover or, like, whatever. Like, I, I'm tired of that kind of uh, mechanism, essentially, right? Yeah. That, well, that's so interesting because, like, which like witchcraft obviously is like pre-modern right um and so in some i feel like when we think about like where it becomes expressed culturally it is always sort of carrying some even in like kind of trivial ways like the the sort of aesthetic of being pre-modern there's always like an earthiness and like you use the word primal i think that's totally right you know Um, and i think being sexual is another way of thinking through that where like you're right. Like when we though drop it into the seventies and think about like what it means for like a woman to become increasingly like sort of embodied and self-possessed and assertive, like this could also be just as, um, as, as justly or rightfully like a movie about a woman using, turning to witchcraft. And we don't really know whether it's working or not. Right. In the movie, but turns to it and then goes and like gets a job and climbs a corporate ladder or something. Yeah, exactly. And it would be like less like earthy. Right. Because she wouldn't be like cutting her hand to like, um, like cast a spell on like this guy that I don't even know if we'll get into it. I couldn't tell if he was like a true lover or if she was, what was going on there? But, oh, the um, whole Derek yeah, thing. That's a great I, point. I'm baffled by. I think too. Like my reading justice in this particular week uh, has kind of been shaped how I'm I'm approaching the the movies that we're watching. So uh, mm-hmm. I have been reading Ovid's Metamorphosis and also this great collection of poetry by Nikita Gill called Great Goddesses, Myths, and Monsters to Live By. And Whoa. it's incredible. It's it's a mo- like it's it's a modern kind of not retelling, but like a what would happen if Athena was still around, right? Or what would happen? Like it's kind of cool the way she imagines the different roles that the goddesses take on in our our modern day. So like um, I don't know, like like Juno, for example, runs a home for battered women, right? And like. Uh, you know, like Athena is a librarian, and I don't know. It's it's cool and and conceptually very empowering, uh, it etc. It's called Great Goddesses and oh god, what Great Goddesses myth, myths and monsters. Oh, life to, lessons. Yes, thank you. Life lessons from myth and, myths and monsters, something like that. Nikita oh. Gill is the author. Uh, All right, I'm bookmarking. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's 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 a really fun interesting read and you know obviously very empowering but um so that then has kind of i think tended to skew my reading of our movies towards a uh, a a renewed interest in what these movies are saying about power and the mechanisms through which one kind of gains feminine agency like so that's why i'm kind of like dissatisfied with the film's representation of her sexuality because there's like some disturbing things so for example uh yeah for sure (laughs) there's one scene okay so just to back up this this is a a housewife 
who is yes. Named very much Joan Mitchell, which is so funny to me because I was like, like Joni Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. But Joan Mitchell, she's um, like late thirties, early forties, I'd say, maybe forties. Yeah, and she has she's an the wife older of a businessman. Her spirit, but they keep talking about her as being very young. Right. Um, yeah, uh, her husband is like traveling a lot and he's kind of an asshole and doesn't pay attention to her. And the one thing we do hear early on that's very like on the nose from like, I want to say her therapist is like, oh, your daughter is away at college and she doesn't need you. She's independent. And your husband is busy with business and doesn't really need you to do anything. And so the reason that you're feeling out of sorts and you're feeling, you know, uh, anxiety is because you have this feeling of purposelessness. You're not sure what, what's next for yourself. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's the kind of whole setup. And we get several scenes of her dreaming um, that obviously are, like, highly, highly symbolic. And, in fact, the movie opens with this scene, which I did not know was a dream. And so Ryan came to check on me because I was watching it. And I just kept yelling, like, stop it, because she's walking through the woods and her husband is, like, oh, walking yes. in front of her. And he keeps, like, hitting branches back, and they keep scratching her face. And so I thought yeah. this was just, like, I didn't know it was a dream yet. The movie doesn't make that clear. And so I was just like, stop it. No. Like. <laughs> I know. At one point, I was like, wait, is this, like, a montage of all the walks they've taken over the course of their marriage? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it was really disturbing. Um, but then we learn, of course, that that's, you know, um, a premonition. That's a that's a dream, and it, you know, expresses her um like her being left behind, essentially, right? Discarded. Mm-hmm. And so then the movie kind of takes us on an exploration of like, okay, well, she's obviously dissatisfied. What is she going to do to, you know, like fulfill or like to find some sort of purpose? And the answer at first seems to be she's just going to like have sex. Um, <laughs> right? Like the, it doesn't seem but it like. Wasn't though, right? Because, like, everyone keeps talking about, like, I love, like, she seems to be someone who is, like, a wallflower, right? Like, she observes a lot, but she seems only comfortable being sort of mildly detached or remote from any situation. And I thought, actually, one of the scenes that I found myself very drawn into and I've, like, it was uncomfortable and, but absorbing, right, was the scene where she is going, she is, like, after she and her older friend... Her name was like Shirley or something. I yeah. want to say they go back to Joan's house, where um, her daughter is back, and her daughter's back with this guy named Greg, who is like a teacher or like an adjunct or something, um, or maybe a grad very student. Very unclear. I don't know. Yeah, very unclear what his role is. <laughs> also, just even like Nikki and Joan's, like her daughter's name is Nikki. Their relationship was very odd, and we'll get into it. Well, let's actually we can unpack that later. But the scene essentially is where like Greg. Um, knows that Shirley's drunk and she goes to the bathroom and he's like, she's ridiculous. I want to pull a prank on her essentially is make her trick her into thinking that she's smoking weed and just see how she behaves. And so Joan doesn't say anything. She lets it happen. Yeah. The reason she doesn't say anything is because Greg says, you know, she's ridiculous too. And that she is a, a shitty person and she's making this world a shittier place and like, don't even try and deny it. And so there is a sense of me resonance where maybe Joan doesn't really like her friends all that much. But Shirley smokes the fake weed and then she thinks she's really high and starts getting crazy and then thinks she's having a bad trip. And then Joan finally breaks the news and takes her home. And Shirley yells at her in the car and she's like, 
I can't believe, or I don't understand how someone who has done so little can have so many opinions or something. Mm. Isn't that what she says or something along those yeah. lines? And it's this sort of brutal, like, sort of attack on her for, like, never doing anything or acting on anything. And I think that, right. I, that this, I'm taking a really long way. I'm sorry to say, to do that. But to say, like, I don't think that her first thought is to have, um, like, a, a sexual sort of, like, um, hook up with this guy. Um, I think her first result is to just, like, observe. So do you think, then, that that accusation, so after she takes Shirley home, this is the scene I was alluding to earlier, she goes home, and she's told her daughter, like, oh, I think I'll stay at Shirley's, but then it turns out she doesn't stay at Shirley's, so she goes back home, and she hears her daughter and Greg having loud sex. Then she goes into her own room and starts masturbating. So it's it's. Do you think then that this whole episode with Shirley is meant to like kind of initiate? In some ways, it's meant to like signal that like that accusation is then what makes her react by masturbating. But even by masturbating in the other room, like there is something so remote and detached about that too. Is there though? I mean, <laughs> there's something detached. I mean, about- it's, the whole thing is so weird because I was like, wait, is <laughs> it's the, okay? It's her yeah, daughter. Into, the daughter like storms into her room after, right? And what like, and is angry. Yeah, because she's caught her mom. Because oh, she caught her. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I did not realize that. <laughs> that's how I. That's right was happening i could be wrong but i was like I is she it was... angry because she stayed in the home and like heard period or what but yeah it was so strange it was super strange so her sexual i guess awakening of this moment is initiated through overhearing yeah. this young guy having sex with her daughter so it's, it's just super You're right, that it is super strange it's like a, it, it definitely calls attention to the fact that she's like sexually dissatisfied Right. And then it's like, okay. Because there's even that scene, like, earlier. It's really brief where, like, she gets out of the shower and then, like, kind of, like, throws herself naked onto the bed. And it's, like, it's, like, weirdly, like, very briefly kind of, like, sensual for, like, a moment. As though... (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Where, like, nothing Uh, happens. But you're also, I don't know, communicates something, I guess, along those lines. Right. And, like, you as the viewer expect something to happen, right? Like, just yeah, like that you're right. posture, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah. And, and it, so for me, it raises the question of why then eventually does she have an affair with this young guy, Greg, who, okay, so her daughter says, like, no, mom, it's not like that. Like, we're not dating. Like, we don't really do that anymore. This is the 70s. It's kind of just like, you mm-hmm. know, like you hook up with people and that both horrifies but intrigues her nonetheless like there's something maybe competitive or i don't know about then choosing that same guy to sleep with yeah i agree it was odd so and there's i mean obviously something about this guy is intriguing not only because uh like a he's around but also just to go back to the the whole shirley thing uh like, part of that is an experiment, right, about, like, how the human mind creates phenomena, right? Like, so Greg's whole argument is, like, no, there's no magic. There's no, you know, like, even coincidences aren't really coincidences. They're just 
uh, that's how the human mind has kind of like made sense of them, right? It can't yet explain them, right? This is the kind of old familiar science argument, essentially, right? Uh, that like magic is, you know, pre-science because it just doesn't know how to explain things. So, right. uh, or like, yeah, exactly. So anyways, like that's Greg's whole perspective. And so there's something almost like, okay, she turns to magic and she calls up this, you know, ultimate skeptic, essentially, right? So there's something about, okay, well, I'm going to try to test the limits of my feminine power by conjuring, essentially, though it's unclear if it's actually conjuring or if he's just along for, for a good, good ride. But nonetheless, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prove my, my power through conjuring the ultimate skeptic of this power, does that make sense, or am I like going off on no, a you said that crazy limb? So, like the the vehicle for for expressing her occult powers is the conjuration of a figure who doesn't believe in any of that, right? So, Greg yeah. in that experiment with Shirley goes on and on about how the mind creates realities that it you know is already inclined to believe, but they're not like. They're not actuality, right? It's not a true reflection of how things really work. So yeah. to convert or to to seduce a figure that represents that perspective. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely. I thought you were saying that she conjured him. And that's where I got oh, lost. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, but she tries to. She tries to conjure him, right? She has that spell where she's like, have him come to me at night. Um, oh, yes. Right? And then yeah. he doesn't show, I so she get calls a, I couldn't him. understand. I was so confused. I'm going to be honest. Like, So here's the thing is that the, there are so many different cuts of this movie circulating because the original cut was sort of like pieces of it were lost. And I think that's why it has this sort of piece oh. quality sometimes. Okay. And I really couldn't understand if... And I don't know if this is more of just like a contemporary version, uh, like a contemporary lens that I'm casting on it, but I couldn't tell if she was playing a long game of like revenge on Greg mm-hmm. and that she was going to sort of like punish him in some way. And that's where the spells she was casting around him were for. I mm-hmm. didn't really understand that she was doing that to like summon him. I couldn't, I couldn't get a read on like what okay. the spells were for. Yeah. I thought it was an act of summoning. That's, that's how I read it at least. And, um, okay. But then, so what's what's weird then, right, is that she's also afraid of this power. So Greg shows up, yeah, they book, no joke. Uh, and then like they do it. They do it a few times, essentially, right? Like they have kind of an ongoing affair. Uh, but then she is warned, right? Like, don't get into this business without like thinking about the consequences. So then she's legitimately scared. And there's a strange... Well, it's more than that, though, because she's having those dreams. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. And and the the the, the struggle with this movie of, of the several struggles is then, like, okay, so what is the status of magic in this movie? Is it is it ever real? Is it just desire? Like, is magic just simply desire? Um, well, let's unpack that that nightmare though too, because I think there's something so telling about that. A, those dreams were creepy as fuck. Like, yes, they, they really scared me as I was watching. <laughs> and there's like one twist from one dream to another where things will change so that she can never get ahead. That were so smart, I thought. But um, 
Yeah, she's having a dream where she's coming down the stairs in the middle of the night from her bedroom down into the main area of the house, and she sees, like, someone lurking outside the windows, and then she sees them come in through, like, a mudroom or something, and she runs and closes that door from the mudroom to the home, and then they break a window, and then she goes to run out the back door and finds that, like, some band or cloth has been tied to keep the door shut. Yeah. So then the next dream, she remembers to grab a knife on her way to the back door. And so she goes to open it and goes to cut the cloth. And this time it's chains. And the guy's wearing this like creepy animal um, mask. It's like a goat or something. Yeah. It's yes. very, it looks very like demonic. And these mm-hmm. things keep dreams, dreams, dreams keep building where she's like trying to get more and more inventive. So then she goes down to the basement and he's just lurking, following her. And she's like loading up a shotgun and trying to get loaded in time. And she can. And then she'll wake up screaming. Yeah. But um, we'll get to like kind of the twist, I guess, in a minute. But the one thing I think is really telling about that, specifically since the movie opens with the dream sequence out in the woods, is that all of these have to do with like home invasion. Right. Mm. And so if we're talking about like the domestic and domesticity, like she is personally under threat but so is like her home and the home space and i think there's something you know interesting about that yeah you know like these warnings about like well what are you giving i think this will make more sense when we talk about like how it ends but i think be careful about think about the consequences think about what you're risking or giving up by dabbling in witchcraft it's also giving up sort of like the suburbs and the normalcy of having a sort of family structure and having a home as well True. Um, do you want to talk about what ultimately happens? Yeah, but I, I would just point out, though, like, she's already kind of been denied that, right? Like, by even the husband traveling so much and not being present. And, I mean, obviously by, like, the domestic abuse and her daughter missing. Uh, she's already denied, even through external circumstances, those suburban comforts, you know? so that, yeah, And to be clear, she seems happier at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's She's great. So the, the, the twist, right, is that one night her a-hole husband comes home from a business trip early and, uh, you know, kind of leading up to this, you know, thematic um, buildup with the dreams, as you've so beautifully articulated. She then, he, you know, tries to get inside. He opens the door. She's standing on top of the stairs and she shoots him with a shotgun. And, you know, the story, the kind of... Um, closed case, right, that the police tell each other is, oh, well, she thought he was a home invader. Uh, it was just her husband coming home early. So it's not like she's, you know, accused of anything, right? Like she gets off scot-free and what's unclear is whether or not this was intentional or, I mean, I think it was, right? Like she knew that this was her husband, I think. And, oh, you think so? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, and because then we see her, you know, very the end of the movie or close to the end subsequently kind of jo- joining this this coven and you know it seems it seems kind of um baptismal in a way and and confessional and so it has yeah. all this ritual behind it anyways i don't know i i tended to read that as you know kind of the movie's confession that like this was her intention at this point right to to join I mean, this definitely- like Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I think I meet you like halfway where I think like it turns out the dreams weren't just in our head that like insofar as there was witchcraft in the movie, it was like this visitation upon her that was preparing her and moving her and prompting her to 
I guess, like, emancipate herself or get her to a space where she can, like, fully live the life of a witch. And that had yeah. to do with, like, removing her husband. Yeah. Whether she was cognizant of that, what she was doing in the moment or not, I think she is ultimately, like, seemed, like, happier to be without her husband and happier just to be a witch at the end. Mm-hmm. But where does she go? Because she, it seems like she, there's some jump in time because when she's at that party at the end and her, she has like craziest yeah. hair, um, yeah. her friend's like, it's so good to see you back in like, she says like the party circuit or something like that. Yeah. As though she's taken some time away. Yeah. So maybe she, you know, like laid low for a bit and then has kind of re-entered society. But like, I, at that point was just like, why, why are you back in this, you know, well, with these like tired insipid, people that you hate. Yeah. Like you the yes, movie has worked so hard to express her, you know, um, her just disgust with this type of, you know, like same old kind of patterns and like the characters are all uh, you know, like no one else has developed whatsoever, right? Like the the women are saying the same exact thing that they said at the beginning of the movies, like, oh, let me fill your drink. Oh, ho, ho. dude, um, can you imagine going to parties as a fucking grown up where everyone's playing Mad Libs? Uh, no, I cannot. <laughs> I was like, are you serious right now? Like, I know this is like pre-internet, but like, surely you have better things to talk about or better ways to entertain yourself. You know what's funny? Uh, a few years ago, um, like when we were both in grad school, my mom bought me Mad Libs, and she's like, "You can take this to one of your parties." <laughs> it was a thing. It was a thing. <laughs> my only exposure to Mad Libs was like we would get a pack of them at the beginning of like a family vacation, and me and my sisters would like fill them out like on the drive, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, my brother and I did that too, but. We were so, like, just not creative with it. We'd just be like, butts. <laughs> I know, exactly. We would try to think. Uh, the, the the dance you would do, though, is, like, you were, you were working backwards from, like, what you really wanted was for something very sexual to be, like, the end. Yeah. Um, to be read out loud by whoever. Like, if it was my sister's turn, it would be really funny to embarrass her that way. But yeah. your parents are in the car and very strict, you know, parents. Um, <laughs> Like, you couldn't, I couldn't even say but. Like, it would be, like, an issue. And so yeah. you had to think, like, okay, what's a word that's going to sound innocuous right now, but it's going to be, like, hilarious, uh, you know, when it's read out. Like yeah. pickle or something. Yeah, I got a lot yeah. of mileage out of <laughs> coconuts, I think, like, one right. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then they caught on, and so, yeah. Yes! Um... Okay, so and another just like factor that this movie like features that we haven't really talked about, but I don't I don't know if it's worth talking about um, is the alongside the sphere of being you know like just forgotten and not useful is the the fear of aging, right? And so sometimes mm-hmm. she'll look in the mirror and see herself as vastly older, and at the end of the movie when she's at this you know like terribly trite party, uh, everyone says you look so young. Right. And I, I was like, damn it movie. So it's all about like, or, you know, like it it ends on a note of like, okay, but we can value you not for like any sort of growth you've undergone, any sort of like, I don't know, maybe there is a moment of growth when she says I am a witch, right? Like when she baldly admits that maybe that's a moment of growth, but otherwise like, oh, but you're so beautiful. Here we go again. Yeah. 
Well, especially like early on in the film, she has that one dream where she looks in the <laughs> she looks in the mirror and <laughs> she's supposed to see a reflection of like a very old woman. Um mm-hmm. And it's supposed to horrify her, but the the person playing her reflection is clearly like a man in a wig, <laughs> which is just such a strange choice, right? Like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, all right, uh, cool. Like, That's... You couldn't hire an old woman, like, yeah. it's just, just a strange like moment. Um, <laughs> to be like, you know what belongs here right now? Drag. A dude, the a art dude. of drag. Yeah, a dude right here. Uh... <laughs> So I like I don't know I I'm <clears throat> I have conflicting thoughts about this movie I think it's it's interesting and some parts of it especially I think like you said like the dream stuff is interesting uh, I just I'm dissatisfied with the ultimate message yeah I think it's fascinating and I I mean I plan to never see this movie again yeah <laughs> it's like let's just put that table space right. but right um, I do think I thought it was a, like a fascinating, weird movie. Um, I ultimately sort of admired it in a sense for how interesting it was. Like there was a lot that I was thinking about, like after the fact, like how do I make sense of this as like a '70s artifact and all that? How do we fit it into like our season? Um, mm-hmm. That was fun, um, even if I didn't necessarily like enjoy watching it. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you. I think that point you made the ver- like just now is a really good one. Like the way like. It's, uh, I don't know. They probably had her at that party because it just signals like a full circle moment because the movie opens with them essentially, or early in the film, they go to a party and that first witch is there and she's this novelty. But you're right. Like from being on the other side of things and knowing that witch was just sort of this sort of novelty to everyone that everyone then gets to sort of either be thrilled by or talk shit on after, like, why would she go back? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it seems like a defeat to me. I don't know. Uh, but then, like, you think, okay, what's the what's the alternative? Is it, like, in, you know, the recent movie The Witch where, like, you just join a, like, like woodsy coven, right? Like, um, there's not, like, an easy answer then to reintegrating mm-hmm. the witch, essentially. Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. it. They didn't want to have her, like, ah, maybe that's it. Is that explain the difference, right? If part of this is, like, this sort of, like, growth arc as you're arguing which I, I I think I'm convinced by that that she has to become more sort of like um, fulfilled and more herself then like we do need to see her sort of like socially thriving right and that's yeah. like the best visual sort of marker of that like right. if she had been more like of a, just like a true pure witch she would just be like alone somewhere reading tarot cards and maybe that would have been more ambiguous in a way they didn't want to end the movie yeah I mean that sounds great to me but like <laughs> Dude, if there's a German chocolate cake there, like, what else do we need? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that season of the witch, I feel like we're we're pretty ambivalent on it, but you know, that's that's what the topic of witchcraft provokes uh, by its very nature. Can I ask one last question though? We've talked about this for every other movie so far. The sort of like not Bechdel test, but like solidarity tests, right? Yeah. our understanding of like witches is that generally sort of feminine and generally there's like feminine communities, right? Or female right. communities. Um, we have yet to really see that. Yeah. Right? Like, do you feel like where is, are women looking out for women in this movie? 
No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I think, I think that's captured in the, I mean, the different generational gaps here that, you know, so Shirley and Joan and their antagonism and then Nikki, the daughter, and her mother's antagonism, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it doesn't strike me. Though maybe you could read that last moment where a woman is like intrigued by her as a potential um, here's a new convert kind of thing, but it's hard to read that. Uh, this yeah. doesn't seem to me to be a very feminine positive film in that way, right? In terms of community, uh, hopefully we'll get some like some community <laughs> eventually, but it's it's yet to to materialize. Exactly, I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I agree completely with what you said. Okay. <laughs> okay, so then we have to move to our current obsession. So it's been a while, Sam. You read Dr. Sleep, but do you have a, a different obsession or do you want to? Yes, I have yeah? so many I could um, list, actually. I feel like I've just been having a great time. Did we talk? Okay, to the first, did we talk about Watchmen? I know by the you, time this comes out, like, this series is going to be, like, almost over. But, oh, my God, I love it so much. You texted me about it. We have not talked about it on this show. Ugh, it is so good. I, yeah? you know, because one of the first obsessions I talked about when we started recording this way back in the day was The Leftovers. Like, that continues yeah. to be, like, one of my all-time favorite shows and truly just, like, an amazing, amazing TV series. Um, and so Damon Lindelof... Uh, is also doing this adaptation of Watchmen, or it's sort of like an imagined sequel, essentially, to Watchmen. And cool. it's so good, and yeah? it's so thrilling. The acting's great. Everything's so good. I love it so much. Um, that's getting plenty of love already, so I won't. I don't need to say that much more. Um, but the other thing I'm obsessed with that I'll um, just uh, promote here is this novel I texted you about by Lee Bardugo. Apparently she has written a bunch of like YA novels and it's the first novel she's written for like adults. It's called mm-hmm. Ninth House. Yeah, and it looks this, this up. Yeah, it's this fantasy novel in which like magic exists and it takes place at Yale University and it's so fun and like thrilling as like a fantasy novel and as like a mystery because there's like a murder at the center of things that the protagonist is trying to figure out um and it's just so sort of adeptly building out this whole like mythology and lore that's so interesting and fun but on top of that it also just sort of like metaphorizes like a number of just sort of like issues with colleges specifically with like ivies and private universities right so the way in which sort of um, uh, a lot of sort of like legacy-minded um, financial issues like take top priority over things like safety of women, right? Um, right. Ways in which like uh, poor students are so um, disadvantaged and run ragged and really worn down. Um, all those kind of pieces, like how sort of impossible it is to survive. And essentially, the, I think the novel is really arguing for like just how impossible it is to to thrive as like a not only like a woman in like an ivy university but like one with um with like uh no sort of like privilege right and no money and um yeah without without that sort of like grooming or financial capital that's typically required to to thrive in one of these places um it's really really good yeah uh it's on my list based on your recommendation so it's it's soon i've got to finish this novel i started this weekend uh 
I'm reading for the first time ever, which is embarrassing. Well, you know what? It's not embarrassing, right? Like, I'm a human being. I've just not had time to read it, but I'm reading Italo Calvino's um, If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler for the first time ever. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I'm just, like, entranced by this this layering uh, that is occurring. So uh, I have to finish that. And then I think... Well, I never read Dr. Sleep, so I might read that because uh, I went ahead and bought it. And um, Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You told me not to, but I was like, it's already in the It was like already in the mail, and then I felt awkward telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, it's like it was like six bucks, but I felt awkward being like, no. Uh, so, okay, well, that's a fabulous that, – and it's called Ninth House, correct? Ninth house, yeah. Yeah. All what right. about I'm you, though? What are your obsessions? I have one big obsession right now, but it's hard because it's such a time-consuming one, and I've really had to – I'm very proud of myself. I've had to regiment it uh, so that I don't spend too much time on it. But on Friday, I got um, Hideo Kojima's um, Death Stranding, which is a new video game by the maker of the Metal Gear series. He, like, broke oh. off with them made his own game and have you heard about this this game no okay so it is wild it is the weirdest uh like the story is so messed up it stars and let me say this it's very very beautifully done it's um like very like just uh looks like a movie it's very cinematic it stars norman Reedus as uh this character named sam porter and it's post-apocalyptic America, and there are these, like, beings that come out when it rains, and they're called oh. beach things, and Sam can't see them, but this fetus that he carries around in a little, like, see-through tube on his belly, this baby can see them, so he carries around this baby to what? see these creatures. Yeah, it's so strange. It's very, very strange. Uh, <laughs> and so anyways, the premise of the game is you have to basically deliver things to these different isolated, what are called knots or cities, basically. Mm-hmm. And you have to escape the beach things, uh, and you carry around a baby. And <laughs> so I know that sounds super strange. <laughs> yeah. It's super strange. It is, but I'm convinced that Kojima is like one of the like pure geniuses. I really am convinced that. Oh yeah. Like he just has this type of vision and I mean reviews right now in the game are very mixed where some people say it's very slow, it's very plotting, others say it's like amazing. So it's either you either get a 5 out of 10 stars or a 10 out of 10. There's like no kind of in between. Uh, I think those 5 out of 10 people are going to be proved wrong in a few years. I think that this is where narrative video games are going. Uh, and it's so immersive and also tough. Like it's, it's a tough game. I spent like 30 minutes trying to figure out how to climb this mountain. And Ryan was like, what you need to do is scout around. And it, um, like after 30 minutes, I then found a like tunnel through the mountain and I was like, Oh, (laughs) my bad. Uh, what's this game called? One more time. Death stranding stranding death stranding. Yeah. It's, uh, Oh, it's not so, a film. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, just do yourself a favor, and when you get a chance, just watch the trailer for it, and you'll yeah, see kind of what I mean by how, like, entangled, and it's messy, but it, I think it's delightfully so. Anyways. Uh, so That sounds great. Uh, yeah, I'm getting into a new game, which is exciting. I've been waiting for this game for a while, and uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm into. So, yeah. Sorry, that was a long, long kind of thing about this game mm-hmm. but it's, it's great i can't wait to i'm gonna read more about this <laughs> cool <laughs> okay so um that is our episode for today yeah that and, wraps us up i think yeah Doing Witches of Eastwick next time yeah i'm excited change of tone change of tone here mm-hmm. which will be fun yeah cool all right well uh billy zane um Gosh, what? Yeah, I don't know. Well, here, I'll tell you what. My mom the other day texted me and said we talk too much about Billy Zane, and she wanted us to talk more about her. So I'm going to dedicate this episode <laughs> to Darlene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Darlene, we love you. We're glad you're not a ghost like Billy Zane is. Yeah. And if you're thinking of dabbling in witchcraft, what would you advise, Katie? <laughs> For, for my mom. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that reminds me. So I don't have a explicit advice, but last week when I gave my keynote talk, I was giving it um, on demons. And it was funny because I started out my talk with the best joke, which was, okay, it's Sunday afternoon. I'm wearing all white. And today I'm talking about demons. So there's a lot of paradoxes here. As my Southern Baptist mother would say when I tell her about my research, Honey, you don't mess with that shit. And everyone loved it. They loved the joke. It, was, it landed. So, anyways. Yes. I'll, I mean, that's that's Darlene's advice right there. Honey, you don't mess with that shit. You and I think that's golden. don't mess with that shit. I think, it's, I think that's right. So. <laughs> Darlene, honey, don't mess with that shit. <laughs> and that's it. Bye. See ya.